Welcome to Keep Going, a podcast about failure and success, hosted by John Biggs. Every week, we talk to an amazing person about a time they failed and what they learned. And remember, when you're going through hell, keep going. Uh, Welcome back to Keep Going, a podcast about success and failure. Today on the show, we have Bala Kamalkaran. He's an old friend. Uh, Greetings from Iceland, Bala. Welcome. Thank you so much, John. Thanks for having me. Oh my God! So you're so you're in the middle of an orange orange weather experience, right? That's correct. There's um, snow and wind, and uh, actually snowing sideways. Okay. Now, would you rank would you rank your move to Iceland a failure? Um, at the beginning, it was not much of a failure, but I had lots of failures in between. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's hop right into it. So you're a, you're an investor, uh, you run startup Iceland. You've been, uh, you've been doing startup events and you've been doing startup stuff for, for decades mm-hmm. now. Uh, right. why don't we talk about, uh, what, what happened there, what's been happening and, uh, and, and how you solved it. Right. So, uh, I mean, maybe if I go all the way back, um, the whole uh, startup experience was a series of failures that led to uh, me starting to do this. Um, I moved to Iceland in 2006 and um, I used to work for a bank. And, um, you know, if, if, uh, if people go back in time and look at Iceland and 2006 banking, you know, that were the golden years. And I was one of the golden boys as well mm-hmm. because I was appointed as the head of India for that bank and I moved to Mumbai and starting the bank, having lunch with, uh, I don't know, finance ministers of India and Iceland and all that. And then everything collapsed. And that, so that, that was, was a that big was, failure. That was, during, uh, that was during Iceland sort of like, that was its banking heyday, right? Yes, that was the hay- banking heyday. And I was... Uh, as they say, I was in the belly of the beast, uh-huh. uh, and it was it was it was a lot of fun, you know, flying around in private jets, doing deals, and meeting very famous people. All that was good. Um, but then, uh, once the financial collapse happened, the entire uh, financial system in Iceland collapsed. So um, I was very promptly fired. So that was kind of the first failure for me because I've never been fired in my life. <laughs> that was. Uh, a rude awakening. Mm-hmm. Um, and more importantly, I, I went around trying to get a job in Iceland. I couldn't get, I, I couldn't get hired. Nobody would hire me. So, um, I was, uh, I was like the toxic debt that mm. some of the, <laughs> some of the financial systems had. Uh, so I decided to, you know, kind of, uh, I don't know, uh, make my own job. So I looked around, nobody was doing the startup thing. I said, maybe I should do that. So that's how this whole thing started. Okay. And, and, and... So what? So tell tell me about tell me about that experience. So you were one one minute you were on a private jet flying around the world, and the next minute you were basically grounded. I, yep. What what happened at that point? How, did did you feel personally responsible? Did you have any have any sense that that there was something going on that that you could have stopped? Right. So I mean, uh, it was um, kind of surreal, right? Because you kind of. Uh, are working with really smart people, uh, really well accomplished, hardworking people who are basically motivated by, you know, the almighty dollar. It's just uh, the money was flowing all over and, you know, we were doing deals all over the place. And suddenly overnight, everything changed and suddenly 
everyone starts picking sides and then somebody is bad, somebody is good, but we were all part of the same thing. And it, 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 it felt real uh, um, weird. And, um, but you know, I, I was, um, I don't think I personally felt responsible because I was not part of the, the lending side or anything of that sort because I was part of the strategic uh, team in the bank. We were just more focused on kind of growing the footprint of the bank. That means we were buying businesses and integrating it into the bank. Mm -hmm. So I was not involved in a lot of the customer lending side of the business. Um, by the way, that business actually did fine. It's just that because Icelandic banks had such a disproportionate uh, balance sheet to the size of the economy and the financial collapse just created a very um, you know, weird uh, funding environment. Mm -hmm. Just said, we just had to shut it down. You know, the banks had to be shut down. Rules had to be changed. Iceland had to go into currency controls, so you could not move money as you pleased. So I started this whole investing thing in that um, you know restricted regime, and and the reason I started that was because I looked around and I saw that everything was still working right. Water was coming out of the pipes. There was food in the grocery stores, and people were all walking around like. Oh my God! The world has come to an end. The only thing that come to an end is that they could not take the skiing vacations and fishing mm -hmm. trips. And uh, other than that, everything else was okay. And I said, maybe we can build something here, you know, using technology. And and, and that's what led me to look around and talk to founders and and, and learn this game of uh, building technology based companies. Now I'm sure that I'm sure that the uh, the investor experience wasn't always a winner either right no 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 <laughs> uh, far from it so so <laughs> i mean uh, if, if if people had told me uh how much harder i have to work to make things work in the investor world i probably would not have taken this path <laughs> mm -hmm. it is uh especially you know when you're starting from scratch you know you, and by the way you know i had no pedigree i wasn't working for any investment venture firm or anything of that sort and when you try to raise funds as a first-time investor, it's almost uh, worse than starting as a founder. You know, at least as a founder, you have say a product or something to showcase. But when you're an investor, literally they'll have to just bet you on your face, and you haven't done anything, so nobody's going to trust you with any money. So I did what any self-respecting uh, Indian, uh, you know, triple masters from the U.S. will do. I went crawling back to my family and I begged them and I said, "Can you give me some money?" Mm -hmm. And my cousin took pity on me and said, oh, sure, you know, I'll give you some money. And he gave me some money. And um, I took that and I basically went all in on one team in Iceland in 2010. And it was about $300,000. So it was not even like a lot of money. Mm -hmm. I thought that that was enough. And, uh, you know, three, four months in, we were we were running out of money. Although the product was great, we were actually gaining customers, but we were burning money. I thought, uh, so this is my first big failure, right? So I I take this money, I put it all in this one team, uh, and I have this uh, immense uh, confidence in myself that if I can make this team go from zero to one, that is zero revenue to actually making some revenue, I'll be able to convince investors in Iceland to put money with me. And we did that. I mean, in six months, this team actually went from zero to making about $20,000 a month in recurring revenue. So I went around and I met all investors. And I can tell you, literally, they did not throw me out, but 
almost very close to that. <laughs> they they showed and pointed me to the door and said, "Please leave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't we don't want to hear we don't want to hear anything about this investing in technology and startups, especially early stage companies, ever again." Um, so it was a it was a major uh, you know kind of a rude awakening that I thought I could do this, and then. Um, as uh, as luck would have it, uh, I looked around and I said, maybe what we needed to do is to kind of build like a supportive community that understood this game of how to build tech startups. Mm-hmm. I I asked the founder to more or less just uh, buy a one-way ticket to Silicon Valley. I sent him to Silicon Valley and then I started uh, working on Startup Iceland to put the event together. And uh, lucky for me, Brad Feld was uh, writing a book about how to build a startup community. I wrote to him and uh, he immediately responded back and said, uh, you know, Bala, what you're doing in Iceland is very inspiring. I want to help. What can I do? I wasn't expecting him to say that, but it was uh, quite a quite a shock. And I just asked him, can you come down here and please talk to everybody here mm-hmm. <laughs> through an event so we can learn this game? Uh, he said, sure, I'll come. So that's how the first event was uh, organized. So... Um, so the first failure of meeting investors and getting punched in the face was uh, quite uh, revealing. Mm-hmm. And then after that, uh, you know, kind of tried to build a community by bringing all the founders that wanted. By the way, because I invested in this one startup, every founder in Iceland wanted to meet me and I met all of them. And, and um it was quite weird for me because all of them would talk to me like they have this unique problem, but all of them had the same problem, more or less. Was the problem that they were trying to solve or the problem that they, they couldn't raise cap or capital? Yeah, they thought that the only problem that they had was they couldn't raise any money. So that's mm-hmm. why they were talking to me. And I was suggesting to them that, yeah, I mean, money is important, but there are lots of other things you haven't figured out yet. Why don't you go figure those things out? Maybe if you figure those things out, the, the investors might find it compelling. And, uh, you know, there's lots of uh, gaps in between, right? Uh, raising funding is one thing, but actually building a company is another thing. And I was more focused uh, on trying to get into the mechanics of how this uh, company building thing worked. Uh, the first team that I invested in, um, as I said, ran out of money. So we ran around trying to raise, didn't work. Um, but um, I, I, I did the next best thing, which was uh, my bank boss who hired me. I went and begged him to join me and he he agreed. Mm-hmm. He basically said, Bala, I, I have no idea how this is going to work. And I just told him, just trust me, I will make it work. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, okay, sure. But, you know, he's a banker, so what he did was he, he invested, but he he knew that we were going to get some tax refund and all that. He basically secured all his funding through that and said that, oh, by the way, when you get these, all this tax refund, you should pay it back to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we did, you know, so we took that money and we just started building from there. And, um, and then the first startup Iceland happened in 2012. That's when uh, I put uh, the founder of this company that I invested in next to Brad Feld and they started talking and Brad was like, hey, you you know what you guys are doing? You should talk to Jive. And, and um, Jive Software was making these form software and the company that we'd invested in was building this kind of like language and text analytics, like natural language processing for online forms. Mm-hmm. And he made the introduction and then, uh, you know, as they say, uh, 
as luck would have it, uh, in 2013, Jive acquired this company. And this company was the first company in Iceland in the thousand-year history of Iceland to be acquired into Silicon Valley. Like before that, no, no other company had been applied. <laughs> so from from all my failures of getting punched in my face and my gut, it led to one of the most uh, success stories uh, in Iceland. Mm-hmm. So and, have, and, have, have things gotten easier since then? Have they changed? Oh, yeah, absolutely, right? I mean, you've mm-hmm. been here uh, for Startup Iceland a couple of times, and, you know, this year we will be doing it for the 10th time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the total funding, you know, NotStack, which is one of the other companies that started here as a blog, uh, they just published the funding report. Last year, the total amount of money raised in Iceland was $380 million. Mm-hmm. And uh, in 2010, there was, I think, uh, 38 million kroners, which is like about $300,000 that was raised. So in about 10, 11 years, we have multiplied it by a factor of, I don't know, what, 10 million Mm -hmm. in terms of funding. So that problem has got solved. And obviously, um, some of these companies grew up to become big companies and we you know i think covid helped some of the companies that have really hit out of the park were actually solving some problems for covid and that really uh, made them into you know making hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue what what do you think happened that that made the potential for failure turn into success I mean, if I go back and think about all the things we did, I think one thing that we never did was we never gave up. We never gave up on the idea that what we were building was valuable. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because we were hearing that from the customers, we were hearing that from really big companies, like some of the clients that we had, like Sony Online, uh, Square Enix, all the big game companies really could not do anything without what we had built. But we just could not convince investors that there was a market. I think mm-hmm. we were probably talking to the wrong investors. But at the end of the day, you know, I think what made the switch, at least for me, was that uh, it was a team that never gave up, and I never gave up on the team. I think that um, that kind of had a self-fulfilling prophecy, and we kind of, I don't know, willed the company to life and made things work. Um, and I think that is, uh, you know, kind of underemphasized in this uh, in this whole company building thing. Sometimes you just have to quit. I just think that that's true. But you also need to not give up when you're hearing that the market really likes it. But you just need to figure out a way to, I don't know, survive one more day. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you know when to quit? Uh, you've you've seen you've seen some startups yeah. that I'm sure that that are ready to yeah. ready to shut yeah. down. How did how did you know when they should do that? Yeah, I think uh, I think that that is usually very obvious, and I think uh, that is usually when whatever your perceived customer is, and you talk to them, and they are willing to give you time, they're willing to talk to you, but when it comes to the real value that is exchange of money for whatever value you're providing them, they are kind of shying away from it. You will see it. You know, people usually get that right away. You know, and, and mm-hmm. you know that that's not working. Uh, either you, you know, if it is, if it is, if you get to that stage very early on in that discussion, then it's better, right? So you can pivot and find the real value and solve that problem. That's one of the big reasons why I only invest in the seed stage, because mm-hmm. it's still fixable. You can fix it. 
but uh, but as I said, you know, when you have a dearth of capital, then you just need to get to that answer very quickly. Otherwise, you're just going to die either way, you know. So um, I think um, having investors that keep funding the um, kind of like the valuation game without actually seeing real business being built is the bad thing for venture, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes you just need to get that validation, get that quickly. I mean, Iceland is small, so we get that answer very quickly. And it's a very transactional society because they'll tell you if it's not valuable. They'll just say, we're not going to use it, sorry. You know, and and if they're not going to use it, then you just got to pivot and find another way. If you can't find another way, you just have to shut it down and move on. Mm-hmm. What's some uh, what's some advice for folks who are, who might be in a who might be in an environment where it's hard to create something? Where uh, I mean, this 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 ranges from everything, right? So this ranges from I don't know a piece of writing to a to a startup to a mm-hmm. to a taco truck. It could be anything. Right. And what do you right. have to do to what do you have to do to break out of that hole? Right. I mean, one of the good things. Um, that has come out of all this social media and all these networks is that you can probably find people who can help you figure out how to build, right? That anybody can do. All you need to do is spend some time searching for these people and you can find them. I mean, the the great thing about the internet is that if you're building something, you're interested in something, I'm sure you can find 10 people who are interested in the same thing. And, you know, going out there and asking for help in that group and actually, uh, you know, contributing, by the way, it's always easy to go and ask uh, others to help you. But if you walk in and say, hey, I'm willing to help because I'm interested in what you guys are all doing, it suddenly creates a very positive environment. For example, if you want to learn to write, maybe you should go and offer somebody who's writing some research material or something like that, which they would probably have to spend time doing. Maybe you can help them do that. Mm -hmm. Thereby, you build that connection, you build that network. And then you go from just being somebody who is a dead weight to actually creating value to that person. And then they'll be more than happy to share how they learned to write. And then you learn watching them. So uh, this apprentice model actually works in most things. But you should be willing to invest time in it, right? I think that's the that's the real uh, trick in this game. You should be willing to commit uh, commit time. You can say you can't walk into a network and say, "What's the network doing for me?" You should basically say, "What can I really create value for the network?" And then you see others are willing to do the same. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, what's next for uh, Startup Iceland? You still you're still continuing the event, right? So uh, this will be the 10th year that we are doing it, or 10th time we are doing it. Uh, technically, it's the 11th year or 13th year because uh, we, we had to skip two years because of COVID. Um, so the, the theme for this year this year is, uh, you know, wait for it. It's AI. So, you know, everybody's talking about AI. So we're just going to, you know, break, break that down and uh, get uh, some real companies who are building some real technology uh, talk about that and also founder stories and, uh, you know, and community stories and investor perspectives. So we've always kind of balanced it with these four things mm-hmm. and there's always some theme around it. And, uh, obviously, you know, we're, we're looking forward to having you back. That'd be fun. <laughs> 
and and uh, and you know you know build from there. And hopefully, you know, uh, Bree will come back. Yeah, Bree, our from mutual friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bree has let's, been. Let's, let's record this podcast on stage there. That'd be fun. Yeah, that might be fun. Yeah. We can do that. Right, and you sure. might you might have a lot more, you know, founders and investors who have done uh, way more than what I have, and, <laughs> and, 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 and talk about talk about that. Well, we gotta we gotta find that we gotta find the people who are willing to talk about it. I mean, I think one of the biggest issues, and and I don't I didn't want to make this just a startup podcast, but it's it's yeah. it's it's good to it's good to have a little of everything. But a lot of startup, a lot of startup founders don't want to talk about it. And I don't think I think that's that's been a big. I think yeah. that's actually been a big would, problem. Like I mental. would I would say that's uh, one of the worst things that you can do. Uh, I think the most uh, valuable thing that you can do in this exercise is uh, be authentic, be vulnerable. If you're making mistakes, be honestly talking about those things will actually be a net positive, not just for everyone else, but for yourself as well. You know. In 2019, I don't know if you remember, John. I don't know if you were there that year. You know, uh, Kule Mogensen, the founder of Wow Air, he came and he, the first event that he publicly spoke about the Wow Air bankruptcy was Startup mm-hmm. Iceland. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and he openly talked about it because he did not want to come. I convinced him on that and I told him, Skule, you should come and share what you did wrong. I, I assure you, they're not going to be journalists. I don't think they're going to come and bite your head off, and I will protect you there. Uh, it'll be your community of founders. You know, the way we grow is by you sharing your experience. Thereby, the next generation does not make the same mistakes. Mm-hmm. You know, hopefully they learn and they, they don't make those mistakes. But your job is to be uh, authentic about that. And I think he thought. You know, he didn't think much of it at that time. He said, sure, I'll come. And then he came and spoke and he spoke for almost an hour. Hmm. You know, I was like kind of losing my head because it was really, you know, you know how I am with the 20 minute time for everybody. <laughs> you know, I'm like screaming. I'm like, you know, come on, man, time out, it's over. And suddenly the crowd basically looked at me and the crowd was like, Bala, let him speak. <laughs> you know? So I was like, okay, sorry. <laughs> So he went on and, and shared uh, pretty much uh, all, you know, everything about uh, what he did right, what he did wrong, what he got wrong, and what he would love to redo again. Mm-hmm. And and I think it was, I think the community came off uh, very positive at the end of it. I, I mean, I've been sharing that video as well through our, um, our uh, build up to Startup Iceland this year, kind of tidbits of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been it's been fantastic uh, response. A lot of the founders reach back to me and says that was, that was so valuable to hear him talk about this. So if you are a founder, you're listening to this and you failed, you should talk openly about it. That's the best thing you could do. Excellent. Well, thank you for joining us. Uh, we'll see you soon in Iceland. Maybe we'll uh, record this on stage. We'll get somebody else to talk about their failures. Uh, yeah. Out in Sounds the, good. Out, out on the frigid aisle that you call home. Well, uh, hopefully June is going to be a lot more warmer and brighter and it greener. Won't, it won't be. It won't be. I assure you. <laughs> uh, this has been <laughs> Keep Going, a podcast about success and failure. I'm John Biggs. Bala, thank you for joining us. Thank you, John. We'll see you next week. See you then. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Keep Going. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Thanks again for listening. And remember, when you're going through hell, 
keep going.